the 18th of January, 2007, episode 63. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. We've talked many times about target audiences and how much of our jobs requires catering to them. If we're developing some kind of UI or user interface such as a website, a flash application, or even an interactive PDF, there's something else that we have to keep in mind here. And that's HCI. This acronym HCI stands for Human Computer Interaction and it takes into account the way users perceive gain knowledge and problem solve in relation to computer applications. We're going to run through some of these properties today to make sure that you're using them in your UIs. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Just a couple items today. Uh, The first of which is, uh, this is something that I found on... uh, on a website. Actually, I am a NAP member, as many of you know, so I found this uh, in their news, but they actually have a new magazine now. They're, they're putting out all kinds of magazines now. They have the layers, which covers all Adobe stuff. They have Photoshop user, of course. They have the new Illustrator techniques, and now they have something called Darkroom. And Darkroom is a magazine written for those who use, uh, it's like a how-to magazine for Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom. So Darkroom caters to all those people using Lightroom, using the Photoshop functions, basically photographers bringing stuff in and and trying to make their pictures all the more better or catalog them or do whatever they do in Lightroom. And I'm guessing we'll have some kind of uh, articles written, pieces written about photography as well, but probably focus mostly on bringing those photos in on your computer and working on them there in Lightroom and Photoshop. So keep an eye out for that. If you're more into the photo thing than I am, that will probably be very interesting to you. But it looks like a great magazine, and I can attest to the fact that they may, they do make really good magazines because they do subscribe to Layers and Photoshop User and Illustrator Techniques. So very good stuff in there, I'm sure. Uh, the second thing, the big news on this one is I just received a magazine. I told you there was going to be some press coverage coming up. I just received the magazine. There's an article about podcasting, and we actually have a little part in it. Uh, The guy who wrote it actually included some of the things I said. I haven't read through the whole thing just yet because I did just get this magazine, but it has a nice little article and uh, has some blurbs from things that I told him and also has some very nice-looking screenshots. has a screenshot of Quick Tips for Designers. Uh, It's basically iTunes with the window open watching the video of Quick Tips, and... It has a screenshot of the Rookie Designer blog, so very cool stuff there. And uh, if you are a subscriber to Dynamic Graphics, then check that out. If not, maybe try and check it out in your local bookstore or magazine store, whatever, what have you. But uh, some very cool stuff and finally some good publicity for us, so hopefully that'll help out with uh, getting people to listen. The other way we get people to listen is to tell our friends. So please, uh, I ask you this every time, and I ask you because it's important to me. This is a way that you can help me out. Tell all your friends, tell anybody that you know that is interested in in graphic design or design in general. Uh, Tell them about this show. Let them know that we're here, and let them try it out for themselves and see if they like it. That's all I can ask of you. 
Uh, I want to also ask, I went into this a little bit in the last one, but please, if you're registered on the forum, please get up there and start talking. This thing only works when people are up there. You don't have to go up every day. You don't have to go up every other day, but just every once in a while, go up there and check out what's going on. It's good when you post something, you're going to want, you know, several other people to have some opinion about it. So it helps when, when more people are going up there. We have hundreds of people signed up for it, and there are certainly not hundreds of people that are posting. We have a good maybe 10 people that post regularly, and I really appreciate that, the people that are doing that. But I want to encourage others to get up there as well. Um, if you're not going to do it on ours, please have somewhere where you talk to designers or talk to designers face-to-face. Just get in that habit of trading ideas with other designers because if you don't do that, you're really putting yourself in a, at a disadvantage. If you're just going with what you know and keeping it all in your head, uh, it's just it's not going to help you out as much as if you would share with another designer. So please do that. And if you find the best place to do that is on our forum, that would be awesome. So the first thing I want to start out with was a definition of human-computer interaction. And um, this is a definition that I'm getting from a site called sitepoint.com. And they have lots of other different things, but this just happens to be where I found uh, this definition for what I was looking for here. And to tell you the truth, I had never really heard this acronym until I was kind of searching around about different uh, website UI properties and rules to to live by when you're building some kind of interface. So the definition that's listed on this site is human-computer interaction, or HCI, is the study, planning, and design of what happens when you and a computer work together. As its name implies, HCI consists of three parts, the user, the computer itself, and the ways that they work together. So basically what we're talking about here is how people interact with whatever is on their screen, what's in front of them on their computer. So if you have some kind of uh, button navigation that they're, they're following to get to different places, maybe it's some kind of even a story that you're taking them through. Uh, it just deals with how these people are going to interact with that. And you're trying to make it easier for them to get through your website or your, your interface that you're making for them. So today we're going to be talking about some of these things that you need to do or that you should be doing to make it easier on your user and make sure that they are a repeat visitor because all in all, you want them to come back to your website most likely. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put it put the time in to put it up there. So when you're building an interface, there are certain rules which, if followed, can make the user's experience much easier to follow and make it much more intuitive for them. Again, so it's easier. Now, this, is, this becomes very important if your audience is uh, non-computer savvy people and this is something that you're probably going to be finding out in your process and your research for whatever project you're making. If you're making a website or, or some kind of small application or applet, then you're going to have to, just like any other design thing, you're going to have to go through that research period and figure out who your audience is going to be. And if they are people who are a little more computer illiterate, you're really going to have to pay close attention to these things because they're going to need to they're going to need a process that's even easier to follow than maybe a younger audience who has grown up on computers and knows how to use knows the ins and outs of computers. So, one thing to keep in mind there, but it's still important for advanced users because usability is an issue too. How easy it is to get 
to the content that the people want to get to it. So you're promoting the availability of the content if everything flows very nicely, if it's very easy to get to stuff. And we're going to take care of some of those other things a little bit later. But again, what's the goal here? If you put up a website, you want people to come back and back again, especially if you're selling something from that website, some kind of product or service, you're going to want to get, get people coming back as many times as possible. So all these things are going to help you to encourage repeat visitors to your website. So the first rule that we're going to abide by is consistency is key. You want to have similar actions in similar situations. And a good example of this is maybe a, a navigation or if you have certain kind of buttons. Buttons will usually have some kind of hover state where if you take the mouse over it, it changes color, it makes a noise, it sparkles, it does something to make the user aware that that is actually a button, that something is going to happen if they click on it. Uh, in some cases, when they do click on it, then maybe it'll change a different color, it'll do some other kind of signal to let them know that they actually did click it and something is going to happen. And of course, when you roll over it, it, it has the hover state. When you roll out, it should go back to its static or normal state. So these are very important things because they alert the user that something is going to happen. The thing you don't want to do is make these things inconsistent. If you have a gray button that turns orange when you roll over it and turns white when you click it, then you want pretty much all of your buttons, or at least all the buttons that are going to have that same function, like say going to a different section of your website or your, your UI, you want those to all be the same. You don't want one to be gray and then turn purple and then turn green. That's confusing. Now, now I, I'm inclined to think that something different is going to happen because it changed to different colors than the other button did. So this is something you need to keep consistent. And a good example, I actually did this in, in my job that I have right now. I had a navigation of buttons that were white. They're white buttons on a white background, so they had you know a little outline to them so you could see where the button began and ended, of course. But what I did is the hover state on those is gray, kind of graded out a little bit. I had a button on the bottom that we wanted to draw attention to, so I actually made that button gray in its static state. So the top buttons were white, but when you rolled over them, they were gray. That one was gray, and when you rolled over it, it turned uh, green or something like that. This is, I think, a very slight variation, but still can be kind of confusing because first of all, you have a white button that turns gray when you roll over it. And then when you click it, you know, it's, its static state would become gray because that's the one that you've clicked, that's the one that's on. Now, if the other one's already gray, that's making you think that that one is already on, that it's already been clicked, that that's the page that you're on. Uh, this particular instance, it didn't really mean that, um, which I, which is why I say it was kind of a slight instance of this, but this is definitely something you don't want to do. You don't want to confuse static states with overstates so, or down states, and down state is the state that it would be in if it was already clicked. So try and keep your colors consistent on your buttons that way. You also want to keep consistent terminology. If you're making some kind of menus or some kind of prompts, then you want the terminology to be the same. Let's say if you're on one page and you're trying to get to the About Us page, and that's what it's called on the, on the menu. It's called About Us, and you click to it, or you click to a different page, and then it says Our Company. 
or something like that, then that's going to be confusing. That sounds like two different pages. It's obviously a very simple explanation for that one, but uh, it can get more technical than this, of course, but that's just an easy way to illustrate. You want to keep everything the same across the board so that they understand, okay, this means I'm going to go to this page. This means I'm going to go to that page or means it's going to bring up that information or what have you. Another thing that I think is a bit confusing, and this is something that was designed on our website before I became the designer, but you, you go into a section, you log in, you go into a section, and the navigation is on the left-hand side. Now, there is kind of a subsection to where you click on one link, and then it takes you into a whole other section that has its own navigation bar. Now, on this particular site, it removes the first navigation bar on the left-hand side and replaces it with another one that looks exactly the same, but has different buttons on it. It, it goes to completely different pages. And the, the navigation bar that used to be in that spot on the left-hand side is now moved up to the top of the page. This I find extremely confusing. First of all, for the fact that when you go in between the two different sections, they're different navigation, but they look exactly the same except for the, the names of the buttons. The second one is, how am I supposed to know that the navigation moved up to the top? Now, you know, if I browse around the page, I'll eventually find it, and I'll find it because it has the same labels as it did before, but the very confusing thing to me is that it somehow magically moved up to the top of the page. This is the kind of stuff you want to stay away from also because it confuses the user. If you have a new navigation bar for a new section, I would say either put it underneath the original one, or if you're going to put it in the same exact spot, I would try and make it look as different as possible so that they know that this is a brand new section with a brand new navigation and they don't become confused between the two different sections. And hopefully I didn't just confuse you with that. Uh, kind of not the easiest thing to explain, but uh, hopefully you get the point there. Uh, also, a big thing is help. If you, have, if you have some kind of help files for your website, most times websites will have up in the top right-hand corner a very, very small link that says help or something to that effect. And it'll, do, it'll bring like a pop-up window with some whole catalog of help files. The big thing here is, and again, on the website that I work on, it was designed very well in that if you're on a particular page, let's say I'm on a page for installation guides, if I press the help link from that page, it automatically opens up the help to the part about installation guides. If I'm on the part about location, it opens it up to location. It's designed very well. You might not have that feature, and that's okay if you don't. The one thing you got to make sure happens here, though, and this goes back to the terminology thing, is if it's called install guides on my website and I go into the help files, it better be called install guides there as well. And this is very important because this is the help file. This helps the person understand what's going on, on the website. So you want to make sure that that terminology is the same across the board. Otherwise, they're going to get very, very confused. A couple of things you can do to help yourself out in these cases and things you might see on other websites are different colors, different colors for different sections. You find this a lot on websites. Um, when you go to the homepage, they might have some little buttons or tabs for each of the different sections and each of those buttons or tabs are different colors. And then when you click on that one, when you go into that section, if the button was, let's say, a shade of red, 
then all those pages will be designed with some shade of red. It might not be the whole page, but some characteristic of that page is going to be red. And then if the next one is blue, you're going to have blue pages. And this reinforces to the user that they're in the right place. They clicked on the red button, they go to the red pages. They clicked on the blue button, they go to the blue, plate, blue pages. So it's just another kind of a helper thing to let the, the user know that, that they're doing it correctly, that they're in the right place. Uh, another one is also drop-down menus or little hover menus. And you've been seeing these pop up more and more. Back in the old days, you would have one navigation bar and it would have maybe five, six different selections on it. And you would click on one of those buttons and it would take you to a new section. Once you got to that section, there would be another navigation that was just for that particular section. So maybe you'd have the top navigation and the side navigation, kind of like I was just talking about. If you go to a different page, it has the same top navigation, but a different side navigation that again is just for that section. So over the, over the uh, years, people have kind of found a good way to work around this in making these drop-down menus or hover menus. And the hover ones are probably the most popular these days. They'll have that same navigation bar with five or six options on it. But when you hover the mouse over one of those buttons, it'll actually give you a list so that you can dive straight into the different sections that are within that section or the different pages within that section, rather than having to click once to get to the section and then click again. So you don't want to click too many times. So these things help you kind of take a shortcut into where you want to go. And that brings us to our next rule to abide by, and that's to use shortcuts or provide easy access to the pages or to the different areas of our UI. As I just said, the, the biggest bonus to that is you don't have to do all the clicking. You don't have to click on three different pages to get to a page that you already know you want to get to. And this is really going to be very good for advanced users. People who have been to your website or been through your UI several times, they're not going to want to go through all these little steps to get to what they already know where they want to go. So if you can let them get there in one click, they're going to be more apt to use your website because it's very easy to get to what they want to get to. So again, drop down menus or hover menus are a very good way to do that. Uh, also, it's possible that you can put function keys in your, your mini application or website so that they're just hitting some kind of key command to get to where they need to go. Uh, that's pretty super advanced. I would say that would probably be more common in a, a small application rather than a website, but I believe you can do it in a website as well. Uh, other things might be hidden commands. Um, you really just want to reward these frequent visitors and expert visitors with a way to get to the content very quickly and not have to jump through a bunch of hoops to do so. They are going to love you for it and, again, become repeat visitors, which is exactly what we want. Our third rule to live by is to provide feedback. For every action, there should be some kind of reaction. And we went over this a little bit already with the buttons. When there is a button and you mouse over it, there should be an overstate. And this just, again, reinforces that something is going to happen. If you see a, a graphic that looks like a button and you roll the mouse over it and nothing happens, you might actually think that nothing's going to happen. You might not be inclined to press it because it doesn't look like it's a button. So you want to have this feedback that's telling the user, yes, something is going to happen if you click on this. Now, in most cases, 
the cursor is going to change anyways. So even if your button doesn't, then uh, you might still be okay. But the best thing to do is just make sure you have some kind of rollover, some kind of indication that yes, that is a button or yes, something is going to happen if you click on it. And the more major your actions are, they're going to require more of a large noticeable feedback. One example that comes to mind is actually on the, the Vans Shoes website. And this is a, if you haven't checked this out, this is very cool. And that reminds me, I'll put this in the show notes for you. But on their website, they have a little mini application where you actually can go in and design your own old school Vans. Basically, I mean, it's pretty limited, but they, it's, I believe it's a flash application. They give you a picture of a shoe and all different areas. There's different, there's the sole, the shoe, the top, the back, the sides, whatever. And uh, each of them have different patterns that you can plug in there. So if you want really ugly Vans, you can plug in, you know, checkerboard and then pink and all kinds of weird colors and, and patterns in there and come up with a pretty funky looking shoe. But basically it lets you go through and design your shoes with the, the choices that they give you. So this is a very good example for what we're talking about here. So I say, so when we're talking about a large noticeable piece of feedback, this one came to mind because certain things that you choose, if it's going to have a very large impact on the outcome of your shoe that you're making, it'll give you some kind of pop-up window to say, are you sure you want this? Or if you're doing this, you might need to change this. Another good example are car websites where you can go and build your own car. And pretty much every automobile maker website has one of these applications now. And they take you through the steps and you pick what color you want, what color you want the interior, what kind of options you want on it, what kind of extras, blah, blah, blah. And it has that same kind of thing. And, and this is a good example as well because when you get to the optional equipment, a lot of times they'll have the optional package one, package two, package three. And if you click on one of those, sometimes it will require that you change other things about the, the car that you're getting. So it'll give you a pop-up window and it'll say, well, if you're choosing this package, you need to change this, this, and this. Is that okay? If you say yes, then it does it all for you. Everything's great. Uh, if you don't want that, then you've got a warning at least. And you can say, you can cancel out of it and say, no, I don't want to do that. And then you don't have to go through this whole thing two times. Another good thing, you don't want to make people go through things several times because they'll get tired of it and they won't want to do it again. But the, uh, the major topic here is if something pretty major is going to happen in the process that they're going through, you want to let them know, whether it be a pop-up window, uh, some kind of warning window, uh, the screen turns red and blinks at them and has a loud noise or whatever you decide is the best way to go about doing that, you need to let them know that something's going to happen so that they know. Number four on the list is to design with structure. You really want to give the user a beginning, middle, and end to their experience. Whether this be different groups or different sections of your UI, you really want to take them down this path to where they feel, obviously there's a beginning because that's where they get into it. There's a middle where they're really getting the beef of the content that they want. And then there is some kind of resolution or cadence at the end so that they really get that reward with a feeling of accomplishment, a feeling that there's no loose ends here. I got the information that I needed and my work is done. Everything's good. You don't want them to uh, read a book. And you don't want them to think there's just going to be more and more and more because people are lazy. 
People don't like to read and read and read unless they're readers. But usually if you're trying to sell a product or a service, then everything needs to be clear and concise. It needs to be summed up in as little bit of text as possible because the reader will be more apt to read the whole thing if that's the case. So that's really where this ending comes in. You want to make sure that there is an end to the experience so that they know they got everything that they needed. You really need to clear any kind of questions or concerns that they might have so that way they can move on to the next group or the next section. If they don't feel like they, they got the full experience out of that first section, then why are they going to move on to the other ones? They might just leave your site altogether or they might just close your application or what have you. So you want to make sure that you give this user, it's almost like a movie or like a story. Every story has a beginning, middle, and end. And if, if you watched a movie and you watched it halfway through and it was just getting to that climax and then you turned it off, it probably would make you feel a little bit lost inside. Now, it might have to be a very good movie to do that, but even if you're watching a B-movie, it probably would make you feel at least some kind of uh, non-closure on it because you don't know what happens. So you want to make sure that there is an ending to that experience so that they feel satisfied and they can move on to other parts of your UI. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is kind of a very simple one. It's something that probably most of you have used before, and I never really thought it was that important until I got into my new web design job. Now this is probably the most frequent key command I use in pretty much everything that I do, and it is the find and replace command. You're going to find this in pretty much every application you use, all the way down to things like notebook or text edit, and all the way up to uh, Dreamweaver is where I use it most often. But when you're working in a website with pages and pages and pages of code and you're trying to find one little snippet of code or a name of a, a page that you're linking to or including, Command or Control F is going to be your saving grace. So remember that one, find and replace Command F on the Macintosh and Control F on the PC. All right, moving on to number five. We need to protect the user against errors. We need to try and design our UI so that the user cannot commit a serious error from which they cannot recover. Now this could mean several different things depending on what your application or what your website is dealing with, but uh, I think an easy way to illustrate this is with maybe a website form or even any kind of form. You can actually do forms in interactive PDFs as well. But basically if a, if a user goes through and let's say you have maybe 30 different fields that they have to, to plug in. They plug in their personal information, their likes and dislikes, or whatever it might be. They're plugging all this stuff in, and at the bottom, there is a button that says Submit, which, of course, they would use to submit all their info in. And the other one is to clear the form. And this is something that you're going to see on, on many things. If you mess up, maybe on too many fields, you want to go down and clear everything and just start over again. Here's the problem. If someone fills out the 30 fields of text, gets down to the bottom, and kind of isn't paying attention, accidentally hits the clear form, one of two things might happen. First of all, they might think that they actually sent it because everything's cleared out. Uh, it must have gone in. That's very, very bad, of course, if you're wanting this information from the person and they think they sent it, but they really didn't. 
then um, you have a problem there. The second one is if they have their wits about them a little bit more and they realize that they accidentally hit the clear form button and everything got taken out, now they're just pissed off because they took the time to fill out 30 fields and now it's gone, they have to do it again. And in a lot of cases, again, people are lazy and now the person is also angry, they might just decide not to fill it out again. And now you've lost the information because you've made them angry. So how can we make this a little bit better is when you click on that clear form button, uh, you could do it conditionally. You could say if there is something on the form and they click that button, bring up a pop-up window and say, are you sure you want to clear the fields of this form? That way, you know, they, they can't just plead ignorance. You're, you're throwing it in their face. You're saying, hey, you're about to clear all the information out of this. Do you want to still do this? And if they do it again and then they're angry after that, well, then that's their fault. I mean, you tried as hard as you could to tell them to, to make them avoid that mistake. But, you know, if you have the person that just accidentally hit it, they're going to say, oh, man, I don't want to do that. Cancel out of that and then submit their information. So uh, just a very clear example of what that can do. But that's basically the idea. If there's something that's going to really impact their experience uh, and could be impacting it in a negative way by an error that they're making, you want to make sure that you have some kind of prompt pop-up message, something to alert them to the fact that they're about to make a big mistake. Another example of confirmation would be the end of this form. Once they submit it, you'll notice that most times when you fill out a form on a website and you submit, it'll give you some kind of thank you screens. Thank you for submitting your information or yes, your information has been received. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. That's another very good example of confirmation. That lets them know, hey, I pressed that submit button. My stuff got to them. I don't have to worry about doing it again. I don't have to wonder whether it got there or not. They told me that it got there everything's great with that. So that's a very, another very good example of that. But basically on this one, again, we're trying to make some way of getting the user out of a jam. If they get into a situation where maybe they're going to trash everything that they've worked for the last 30 minutes on, you want to make sure that, that there's some kind of clear message that, hey, you're about to get rid of all this stuff that you just did. Are you sure you want to do that? And I, that's the best way I can put that one. The next one on the list, it kind of goes hand in hand with that one, and it is to permit reversal of actions. You really want to design for conditional situations rather than absolute. And by that, I mean, we'll go back to what we were just talking about. If somebody works on something and chooses, maybe we're in the Vans website, and we choose all our different colors and patterns and how we want it shipped, and then we get to a certain point, if it was absolute, we wouldn't be able to go back. But on this thing hey, we get to the, the shipping part and we say, okay, we want to ship it this way. And you say, hey, wait a minute. You know what? I don't like the way that shoe looks. I want to go back and change something. So there is a back button to go back and change the situations. And a lot of this has to do with the way you set up choices for, for whoever is using it. And again, it's going to be different in different situations. These are just very basic examples that, that help me illustrate how it is. For the Vans website, you roll over the little deal and it gives you all the swatches for different colors. So you just click on one. When you click on one, they don't all go away. You can roll over that again and choose a different one. If you're on the car website and you're choosing different options, they're checkboxes. You can check it on if you want it. You can even move on to the next section. Then if you decide, hey, I didn't want that, you go back and you uncheck it. 
So that's that's giving the the user some control over what's going on. That's making it conditional rather than absolute. Absolute would be it's uh, basically a checkbox, and you go to the next one, and you can't go back. Or it's a checkbox, and you go to the next section, you can go back, but somehow that checkbox is not being unchecked now. That would be absolute, and you definitely don't want that. You want people to have choices. You want them to be able to go back and change things if they want to, and uh, that's the best way to do that. Uh, you also want to make an easy retreat, a changing of options, if you will. Same thing, like on the car site. If you want to go back, let's say you get to the end and the price is just too much. You can't afford that car anymore. So you want to go back and take off some of the extra options that you don't really need. You always want to have that easy retreat because, again, if the, the user gets to the end and they can't go back and change stuff, they're going to have to start all over again. Chances are they're not going to go through that whole process again. They're going to be angry about it. So uh, just make sure you give them a way out. I talked a little bit about control in that last one, and that is actually number seven. You want to shift control to the user. The user always wants to feel like their actions direct or command the application. Just think about how you are when you go to a website. Uh, you don't want things kind of thrown in your face and you don't want it to direct you where you want to go. You want to find the content that you're looking for and you want the UI to react to you. If I press this button to go to this page, that's where I better be going. If I want to go back a couple of pages to change options on something, then it better let me do that. I am the one who's controlling. And, and this is a big one where, um, and actually I should have brought this up for the shortcuts, is the sitemap. A lot of people still use sitemaps. A lot of people don't. Um, it's really up to you whether you want to incorporate that in your website, but sitemaps are a great thing for both of those reasons. I can click the site sitemap button and go to the sitemap and see every single page that is contained within that website. And this does a couple of things for me. Obviously, I can just, with one click, go to any page that I want. But also, it gives me a lot of control over what I'm doing, over where I'm going. I get to basically scan over the whole website and see where everything is. And that way, I know where I'm going. I know where I need to go to get the content that I need. And uh, everything's going to react to me. So your design really needs to instill this power in the user. Our eighth and final rule is just to keep it simple. And I think these are words to live by in many respects in design, but especially here when you're designing a UI. And we'll go all the way back to the very first thing that I said, especially if you have users who are not computer savvy. You want to make things as simple as possible. You want to make it so that they understand just by taking a glance at it what they're supposed to do. If they can't do that, chances are they're not going to know how to do it. And that's obviously not good because you don't want to build, spend hours building something that people can't even use because you can't figure it out. So don't make the user learn complicated actions or commands. Like I said, let's keep it simple. Let's just make some buttons. Let's make some navigation that makes sense, whether it be worded navigation that's taking them to different sections or whether it be arrows that are going back and forth. Even on a simple, you make like a little slideshow. You want to make sure that they know how to flip between the pictures. You want to reduce the need for memorization of actions. And I think you can do this by incorporating, uh, which number was it? Actually, it was number one. Consistency is key. And you can do this by, this is the reason why you're going to have a navigation bar at the top of every single page. And it's going to be the same navigation bar every single time. 
you don't want to have to go through this and they go to a different section and they have to remember that, oh, well, there's not the main navigation, so I have to go back home and then hit the button for the other one. This is one example of this. Uh, you, you just you don't want to keep them guessing. You want to have them always know where they are and how to get out of it and how to get to different sections and, and how to find everything that they need. Everything needs to be right there for them. You don't want to... Uh, you don't want to confuse them by having them have to jump around the website to get to where they need to go. And you need to have a clear flow. Don't turn the user in circles. And this also goes right along with that. If you always have that main navigation bar at the top, you always have a way to get to any place on the website within a couple of clicks. You don't want to run somebody through something and they end up God knows where, or they end up back home when they thought they should have been in some other section uh, it's just going to be confusing and they're not going to understand. So you want to make things as easy as possible, as clear as possible. And again, incorporate all these other things that we've been talking about and help them to have a very good experience while they're in your UI. So if we follow these steps, we should have a clear, concise path for the user to travel and leave satisfied. They're going to feel satisfied that they got the content, they got the information that they were looking for. They had a nice journey along the way. They were never confused about where to go to get to different sections of the UI. The buttons were always there, right there waiting for them. And they were always consistent with the way that they looked and the way that they acted and what they did for us and where they took us. And if we do all these things, it's going to help us to bring those visitors back time and time again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our mistake for today is actually something, not something that I did, but something that I've seen before, and I can't remember exactly which website it was. I went to, uh, I want to say it was either Epitaph Records or Fat Records, which are two indie punk labels. Uh, I went to one of their websites, and this was a couple of years ago, I believe. It's one of those websites, and you may have seen something like this before, where you go to the website and there's some kind of crazy collage on the homepage. And there's no words anywhere. It's just a bunch of random little pictures or icons or, or what have you. And there are rollovers. There were rollovers on this thing, and it was just a big collage of pictures. And you hit certain things, and it would just light up. It wouldn't even bring up some words telling me where it was going. It was just, like, kind of glow. So I click on it, and I get into the website. And now it has some kind of navigation, maybe a little bit. But you go through, and... and Right right off the bat, right to begin with, I don't know where I am because I clicked on some picture that didn't tell me anything except for the fact that it was a button because it lit up. You definitely don't want to do this kind of stuff. I mean, maybe there are some situations in which this would be cool and you would have to know a lot about your users and you would have to know that they would enjoy something like this, that they're not going to become confused because they've seen something like this before or they're in tune with it or what have you. But just for Joe Schmo, this is not a good idea. You always want to have some kind of indicator of where the person is going if they click on a button. And obviously the easiest way to do that is text. Now, if you're trying to make something universal maybe, that doesn't necessarily have to be in any certain language, then you might use some kind of icon. But if you're going to design an icon for that purpose, you want the icon to look something like what it means. Like for instance, if it's the button to go home, it might be a picture of a little house, a little home. 
and that's you're going to find that in several different places but some kind of visual indicator of what it means now this is going to do you much good unless your website is able to be viewed in several different languages anyways but the point is you never want to keep the user in the dark you always want them to know what's going on on your interface where are they going to go where are they going to end up is it where they want to go so uh, make sure you have some kind of visual indicator. I would suggest always having some kind of text to let them know. Maybe it's just a tooltip. And tooltips are the, even in applications, the little yellow box that comes up that tells, if you hover over something, it tells you what it is or what it's going to do. Maybe even doing something like that rather than designing in some letters or some words. Uh, just something to let them know what's going on and make their experience that much better. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Well, for our website today, I wanted to pay a little homage to Dynamic Graphics, the magazine that ran the article with some great screenshots of both of our podcasts in it. And uh, it is a pretty good site as well. It has different ideas and uh, inspiration for people like us who do graphic design and, and constantly need new ideas and, and inspiration to let us know that we're on the right track and we're, we're still doing some good design. Uh, lots of different sections, lots of different articles that you can read. Also want to throw a shout out to Paul Chin, who is the guy who wrote the article that featured some of my stuff. And uh, looks like he's a regular writer for that, that magazine. And actually he wrote another, another article that's going to be coming out uh, probably in the next couple of episodes. Not sure which one, but also has some uh, different blurbs from me as well. So Thanks to him for including Rookie Designer and Quick Tips for Designers in the magazine, in the article, and also for including me. But definitely go check out this website. There are some good things to check out there, some good resources that you can use in your everyday design. Again, that's dynamicgraphics.com. All right, so let's run through the normal things that we always go through. Uh, again, I'm doing the advertising campaign for Hitachi on Quick Tips for Designers in the month of January. So please, if you are a viewer of that show, make sure you download those. Uh, I, am, I did release one yesterday, as well as there's two others that have the ad campaign. So I believe it's number, we're up to 46 now, I believe. So it would be 44, 45, 46, and number 47, which will come out next week. Those will all have the ad camp campaign in them. So you can help me out a lot by going and downloading those. Uh, they can't tell if you've actually watched it. So if you don't watch it, hey, go and download it for me anyways. Uh, it'll help me out. But if you are a regular viewer, make sure you get those before the end of January is up so that I can collect the, the numbers on those. You can contact me as you always can. Adam at rookiedesigner.com. Uh, you can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer and myspace people that way. You can use the call-in line, 619-573-4043. Add a 1 and the country code if you're outside the United States. Or you can use Skype and just Skype me at username TitanStrides. And both of those will go to a message machine. You can leave me a voicemail uh, about anything you'd like. Ask me a question. Leave me a comment. Let me know how this show could be better. I'm always willing to take comments on that. Uh, if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like to hear about, I'm always welcoming those. That would be great as well. Uh, again, go to the forum, though. If you're already registered on the forum, please start posting. 
We want to get some good conversations up there. Like I said, it can only do you good to be talking to designers. And really, you can talk to designers all over the world. Uh, most of them, I'd say, are, are here in the United States. But there are a lot in Europe. There's some in Australia as well. All kinds of different places. And it can give you a different perspective on what's going on. And different perspectives when you're a designer are a very good thing to have because they make you think about things in a different way and maybe spawn some new, better ideas than you've been having. So please take advantage of that. Also tell a friend about the podcast. Tell them about both podcasts, actually. But uh, hopefully this article will help us out as well. But I can always use your help in telling your coworkers, your schoolmates, anybody that you know might take an interest in these podcasts. Let them know about it. Man, I don't know why I always wait till the end to thank everybody for listening, but I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, We have a great group here, and uh, I hope this show helps you out. I I get emails all the time about people telling me that it does. Uh, It amazes me still that something that I kind of just whipped up in a whim is actually helping a lot of people, and it it makes me feel good. But uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this, and if you're not enjoying any part of it, please don't hesitate to let me know. I can't guarantee that I can change something for you, but I always like to uh, get the comments in and see what people think. And, uh, well, that's about it for this one, but thank you guys so much for listening and staying subscribed and spreading the word about Rookie Designer. And uh, it, it wouldn't be what it is without you. I know I've said that before, but it's absolutely true. All right, I'm going to say goodbye for this week, and uh, just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.